1: Al Gore, here I am. There Another, you are. Ah, there I am. There you are. I barely made it back inside the firm. It's hard to be inside the firm. Why? Just because you want to be out there? Or because you want to be somewhere else because it's rainy outside? Oh, I don't even want to. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I don't want to be outside. This this rain is bumming Getting me to you. Yeah. No, it's because we're building. Building stuff. We're yeah. things. And we're going to be double building very soon, starting next week. I don't know if you know but the tiny house, the second, the, th- the yes. fourth tiny house that F9 Productions will be doing a design build project on, which is a mobile dog massage parlor. Follow us on uh, uh,
0: facebook.com forward slash F9 Productions for all the updates. Yeah, so that would be cool to see. Um, since this podcast is about what's going on, update me. Have you made a roof decision? And a little backdrop is that um, we have walkable roofs, and we've been going back and forth. So are you still investigating and Boy, getting in the Boy, you samples? wouldn't
1: believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Trying to get a hold of somebody over at that giant corporation and get them to send us samples, not easy. Not easy. It's almost—it's almost like these giant corporations operate like the government, and they're hard to get. Uh, yeah, the bureaucracy—they're really hard to get a hold of people and talk to
0: them. You know, a person. Yeah, not a robot. I do. So know I'm that.
1: working on it now.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we'll shout out. Might as well shout out to Bims Smith. They're a company that is a small, nimble, awesome company. I would say small. They got a they got a bucket full of guys, if that's the term. Bucket full, gaggle, uh, <laughs> uh Check check them out. I'm sure they'll be at the AIA. I'm pretty sure they're going to be at the AIA conference. um I think I saw they just posted that they're at an, uh, another conference. So they go to conferences. Go check them out in person, not just online. Because if you go to bimsmith.com, you can check them out online, and that's where you get your floors. Uh, assemblies your wall assemblies uh, revit components and you have your own little login and you can save stuff and you get your specs and it has actual real manufacturer information so if a manufacturer a big large corporation is not getting back to you you could probably go there and they have the information for all you all kinds of stuff so hmm. do that do that do that al
1: when we go inside the firm we lay it all bare right we we talk about some uncomfortable things sometimes. We're naked right now. We're we are naked men looking at each other right now. <laughs> Just picture that. Picture that. Uh, one of the things is that's uncomfortable to talk about is firing people, right? Yes, it's not an easy thing to talk about. We've talked about when we had to let go of an employee before, but what we haven't touched base on is how um, how to politely fire a consultant. Um, or you know, and if you don't have the opportunity to politely fire somebody, then you should politely fire them because I didn't politely fire somebody earlier this week. Oh, nice. Yeah, didn't go well. Uh, it was was pretty pretty terrible. Um, I think when you're an architect and you are the prime on a contract, and you and uh, you have invested, literally, if you think about F9 Productions, right? I don't know what our gross total revenue is over 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 this over a decade so far, but it is in the millions. So sure. what I want to get at is. If we if we have grossed millions of dollars of of service work so far, that means that we we have we have built up a great reputation. Uh, people trust us, and our clients are literally everything because they pay the bills. <clears throat> so if we're hiring consultants, especially if they don't have a track record for the very first time, we're taking a risk. We're taking a risk. We're risking our reputation. We're risking our client's project. And we're, we're and, but but we're okay because we're okay with giving people that first chance, right? Because people gave us the first chance. They took a, they took a, a risk on hiring us for the very first time, and it's yeah. paid off, right? Because we ended up growing with some of these developers who took a risk for the first time. Um, and so, you know, that's that's what we were trying to do with this particular consultant. It did not go well. Uh, it was got very heated. It was not good. So I wanted to uh, read a little article that I that I uh, I came across today which it's almost it's almost like social media it listens to my every word wow. and, and then they, they pop them, and then they pop things up on my feed and they go wow we just heard you talking about this or texting with this with your business partner now what do you <laughs> think about this uh, so this funny. article comes up from smallbusiness.cron.com uh, and it's called how to politely fire a consultant um, so they gave four really good tips i thought that were that were good right yeah number 1 prepare your notes before you meet with the consultant Know the reasons why you were firing them. So, you're, so I think the idea is you're, you're straightforward, like there's no wavering about yeah. your decision, right? A consultant innately knows he is not a permanent employee and is expendable for a variety of reasons, even if he gives you the impression that he is indispensable. Number two, schedule a meeting with the consultant. Firing someone over the phone or with a letter is impersonal and suggests you are hiding from the person. If at all possible, have a face-to-face meeting early early in the work week to give the consultant time to make calls and replace the work. I like that. That's courteous, right? We've talked about this before with, like, when do you fire somebody, an employee? There's no real good time. But honestly, if you can do it earlier in the week, if it is a Monday, you might think, oh, I'm ruining their week. But think about the silver lining. The silver lining might be you give them an opportunity to... Suck it up the next day, hopefully, and yep. and move on and start calling people and and hope and get employed as quickly as possible again with somebody else. Uh, number three, briefly explain the reasons you are letting the consultant go. Be direct. I like the brief part of it. Be direct. Don't you don't need to provide specific details or incidents. You are firing her now. It's a her because of poor poor performance. State that you cannot justify the cons for the lack of results. Don't be rude or accusing. Number four thank the consultant for his time and efforts provide the consultant with positive feedback on areas that will help improve his performance for other clients no matter the reason for the firing finding something positive is important when letting someone go number 5 leave the opportunity leave open the opportunity for future work if possible the consultant may have done an exceptional job and is simply no longer needed being being prepared to refer the consultant to other con tax or opening the door for future projects is always a nice way to close one door in a very positive
0: fashion. Yep. What if Lance, it gets contentious during the meeting, during the meeting, or let's say you're trying to have a meeting and you can't even
1: get them to meet. let's talk about when you're trying to have a meeting. And this is just as, as I, as I preface with this segment, we lay everything bare here. And that's exactly what happened with, with our situation was, Alex and I tried to have a meeting uh, several weeks ago with with his entity and we we would not get a response. And so to me, that was strike one. And then we uh, sent a reminder email, a reminder text and said, hey, can you just respond to us? We would love to take you out to lunch to talk about it. And we weren't even actually even prepared to fire this person or this entity rather. It was we just wanted to kind of have a circling of the wagons of like, hey, we've been doing We've been doing business together, literally over a ten thousand dollars worth of business together. That's no small number, so here's what we think is good, here's what we think is bad. If we could do this moving forward, I think we're on the right track well then then we didn't get a response there instead, a phone call happened and it got it got angry um but then at the end of the phone call, what I was hoping would happen was as I suggested, I said, please email us back. We would still like to have the lunch. three strikes. So <laughs> yeah. so if you run into that situation, I think it's obvious that that entity, if they can't even give you the respect to literally take you up on your offer of a free lunch. And everybody likes to say there is no such thing as a free lunch. No, there is such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big one. Big red flag, right? And I it think it's contentious. So to me it's very black or white about that situation like it, there should have just i think i that's why i really like number 2 scheduling a meeting like just go talk it out man to man woman to woman woman to man yeah all that and and see if you can see if you can first just reconcile the situation right because it it kind of goes back to Arthur Brooks book that we we read a couple weeks ago i'm really even with my wife like today i was like i feel like you have contempt for me right now about this stupid thing. And she goes, I do. And I go, well, don't because that ruins relationships and I don't yeah. want to ruin our relationship. And that goes further into business relationships. Like you have to avoid contempt. And I feel like that kind of a scheduling a meeting early on can, you can avoid the firing. Maybe there's a course correction and you avoid the contempt. Well, now there's contempt. And I think it's irreparable Yep, from that standpoint.
0: And and I also think to some things might get heated it's an inevitable that you're going to go through life and things will get heated. I I actually it was a semi heated meeting just for a couple minutes with one of my favorite guys over at at a project. But it was fine like we're actually you know I was almost joking with one of our guys Jason's like the MEP probably thinks we hate each other but we don't <laughs> we you know like me and this guy actually like Same each other. Same thing
1: with me me on site with the plumbers. Yeah. I love our plumbers. But it did get one contentious
0: one day, you yeah. know. And and here's the, here's, here's what I'm actually just trying to get across is that you might think no matter if you're the consultant or the owner, it doesn't matter what position you are, but like somehow it gets contentious. That doesn't matter. Let's just accept it gets contentious. And in your head, whatever side you choose, you might think like, well, I'm going to raise the bar because I need to show them or prove them wrong. Right. That other side, just like that book, they're just going to raise their game too. So, like, it, it, it becomes this contentious thing. And the real broader perspective is knowing, like, oh, I'm not convincing that other person with however loud I'm barking or this contentious. I'm actually going for the audience. So, it so it's like the politicians when they debate, like, Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. They're not going to actually convince each other about right. anything. You're trying to it's convince. about convincing the better audience. And this goes by, you know, so let's say... uh that is a consultant with a firm on the other side. And it's our firm. You might not be convincing that other principal, but you might be convincing the owner, the other, the, the other principal, the other, the other employee. So like, that's where I think your perspective needs to be is like, all of a sudden to realize like, Oh, Oh yeah. There's, there's an audience and that's who, that's who's actually going to be influenced by this discussion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Am I saying that clearly? Yep. Absolutely. 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 And then here's some advice
1: I would give somebody. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just uh sole proprietors that listen to this pro- this podcast. A lot of students who will eventually become sole proprietors and maybe they're just doing freelance work too. So you are in this category of being a consultant, right? And I would even put Alex and I in this category of being consultants because sometimes we consult for bigger firms. Yep. Right? There's bigger people than us. Huge, huge, huge. We're tiny. Is <clears throat> let's say you do get fired. The best thing I think you could do is if maybe it got really heated or something like that is if if that person is and it, let's say it wasn't a nice, polite way of firing like this where it, it was on a phone call. They said, I'm done working with you. And you let the steam blow off for a couple days. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to reach out and own up to the mistakes that you maybe didn't want to own up to. On the sure. phone with that person, These emotions. Holy yeah. cow, can that go a long way? Because I think there, I think everybody does deserve a second chance. And I, we've talked about it before on this podcast. Of we have fired clients, and then they go to a different architect, and then they eventually come back to us. This has only happened maybe three or four times, but it's enough to be significant, where they've came back and said, "Yeah." We thought you guys were, were bad, but really, you guys are good architects, and we just, had a, we just had this minor misunderstanding that got out of control, and I would like to work with you again if you'll have me.
0: And I would say, to be honest, we have actually probably been fired by clients, one of the big projects, and they come back and say, ah, oh, actually, not too bad. You, you know what I mean? Like, not only that we have fired them, but they have fired us. Yep. By is, not getting us on the next project and then going like, hmm, maybe we should rethink this. It's, and here's it, kit, Go ahead. I'd bring it down to a real scenario that might happen in architecture. Let's say you go to the job site and you're talking to a contractor and it gets heated. Um, because I was just talking to uh, some civils and they go, this architect is just getting, he, he's doing this pit. You know, pit this person against the owner. Oh, us, yeah. Right? Horrible. But let's say you're arguing about something and the contractor gets heated and you know like, oh. The only way you think you're going to win is if you get equally heated. If you keep your calm and make clear and concise points, regardless if you win it or not, think who might be listening. One of the subs might be listening. One of the Mm. workers might be listening. And guess what? One of those workers or his number two man might be like, I'm thinking about starting a construction firm. And the way that the architect handled that, he actually, he was actually rational. I actually got his point. His point was actually right, even though the contractor didn't go with it. Guess who I'm going to call up once I start my own firm? That architect. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So you know, take take that
1: for what it's worth. Uh, and and also the bigger thing is too, I think, don't be afraid to fire people. You know, like understand that there, you not every relationship should be forced, and you should at, at the early on stages in your career as you're building your firm, as you're building your business. Um, you should, you, you there's, you, there should be principles that you lay your foundation upon, right? You should have a, you should be bedrock principles too, like, uh, uh, you're speedy at service, right? You, you make rules about getting back to people within 24 hours, um, all of those sorts of things, right? And if you bring on a consultant and you've given them due process to try to get them to, um, mesh with your, your way of doing business and they just isn't working, don't try to force the square peg in the round hole, and understand it is okay to let people go. And if you do let them go, and it becomes instantly personable or personable, it instantly becomes mm-hmm. personal. There you go. And they get a little malicious in their verbiage, text, written, whatever. I think that's even just it solidifies your 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 decision that it didn't well, this wasn't meant to be.
0: Yep. Cool. Um, Are you jumping Uh, ahead? Do you want me to jump in? You can jump ahead and then I can go after. I can go after. It looks like you're in Jockoet. Well, before that, Memorial Day, people are graduating. Uh, Someone reached out to us from CU, so in our backyard. Brandon uh, Biscup? Yeah. Was it Bishop though? But I, it might, I'm, anyways, Brandon, you know I'm talking about you. Uh, A Navy vet went into architecture school. Late in life. I think architecture school by itself is just difficult. The hours are among the top that you spend, you know, in, in, in any department uh, in school. Uh, so, great accomplishment to him. And since he's in the Navy, I'm going to give a, a Navy shout out. I'm going to talk about evaluations, right? Okay. So, in a firm, you have to evaluate your staff or you should evaluate yourself. Yep. And a lot of times, they're inflated. They're inflated in valuation. So, like, for example, like Lance, your proficiency at architecture, what would you grade yourself? Out of ten. Oh, out of ten? Yeah. Eleven and a half. 11 a and minimum. A half. 11 and a half. <laughs> all right. Um, most people would say, regardless, think about think about some of our guys like, oh, eight, oh, seven. oh, eight. Oh, seven. You know, it's always in that eight or in the in that seven range, right? So the the army, the navy, all the when Jocko was in, um, You know, back in the 80s, it would all be this inflated. They had, uh, it was out of fours and everyone would get a four. He's like, in my Navy SEALs, everyone got a four. He goes, I once got a 3.8 and I stormed in and I was like, why, why (laughs) do, why am I getting a 3.8 on communication? Like, well, you're a little bit harsh. And you don't know how to take things. <laughs> 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 and then I think he called He goes, I called him communist. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. So, but anyways, it changed. And he goes, now, the, I don't even think I had this new evaluation. He brought up the Marine one. So I went and found it, too. So if you want to listen, I'm, I'm going to bring up some, some of these standards. But you can go listen to Jocko Podcast 174. And they have uh, different categories, right? So the, the Navy has different categories. I'm going to go through three. Mission accomplishment, and then there's like multiple subcategories in there. Uh, Individual character, leadership, and intellect and wisdom, right? So let's give our Army people a little, and Navy and Marines a little bit of credit for their intellect and wisdom. Yeah. Right? So the first one is proficiency, right? So Lance, if I read this to you in proficiency, if you fulfill this, what grade do you think you should get, right? Demonstrates mastery of all required skills. Expertise, education, and experience conti- consistently enhance mission accomplishments. Innovative trouble uh, sol- shooter and problem solver efficiently impart skills to subordinates. That's a description that relates to a number. It's actually a letter for them, but we'll say number. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. What would you say that no- what number was?
1: Uh, out of 10 again?
0: Yeah. And this is for me? No, 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 no.
1: That, that, like they, they have described oh a 10. I mean, that was very, it was a word
0: salad. It was good. Yeah. That's what I thought too. No, you get a C, you get a, you get a five out of 10 for that. That's, that is their standard. Wow. Here's the low standard. The, the so they, they don't even have, um, Jacko was reading the Navy one. So like for appearance, like, oh, you show up sloppy, you know, you, you, um, your dress is not pressed, you know, you get a one. The Marines don't even have that. Like you don't even exist as a Marine if you're that bad, right? So they're low grade. This is you getting. So not only do they have A, B, C, D, E, F, they have G and H, right? So bottom of the barrel, G and H. In proficiency is, oh, you're competent. You profess the, you possess the required skill uh, range, and with your grade and experience, experience, you understand and articulate basic functions related to mission accomplishment. Good. You're you. You get a two. (laughs) No, but what's great about this is I'll explain what they're getting at. Okay. Right. So everyone thinks that they're a seven out of ten, of course, or an eight out of ten. But where are people really? And this is what the Marines are saying. Look at this graph, Lance. So it looks like a Christmas tree, and the bottom is you know the log, right? So that's everyone that's terrible like just a qualified marine like if you're getting these low grades like that's where you're at right the majority of people are in this and it's basically above the stock like a christmas tree is wide at the bottom and then narrow at the top so it's basically saying a lot of people are those low branches Mm -hmm. and it gets you know like less and less as you go up so it's What's cool about this is that it's setting a really high standards. So it's readjusting your perspective. Like you thought a C and I, everyone did Jocko, everyone like, oh, that C grade sounded pretty sweet, but we forget that like C is average. It is like you're expected mm-hmm. to do that. You're expected to know your stuff. That should be where you're at baseline. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, here's the top one. The top one for proficiency is true expert in your field. Knowledge and skills impact far beyond those of your peers. Uh, translates broad based education experience into forward thinking, innovating actions, makes immeasurable impact on mission accomplishments. Immeasurable. Yep. Yep. Uh, wait, wait. Did I read it? Yep. Uh, peerless teacher, selfless, imparts expertise to subordinates, peers, and seniors. So, like, oh, you want a 10 out of 10? You better be like the known expert in that field. Because that's what a ten out of ten is. How awesome is that? That is awesome, and yeah. it, rightly so. Rightly so. High standards. Yeah, high standards.
1: So yeah, I mean, your explanation should be absolutely impeccable. It should be. It should
0: almost be unattainable, like immeasurable. That is unattainable. <laughs> well, exactly, and, and, and that's 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 kind of the point. You know what I mean? Like, set your standards higher and yeah. be more realistic about where you're at. Because if you consider, if you consistently give yourself a seven. Oh, I'm a seven. I'm a seven. And you don't even know, like, oh, there is a higher level. And I hope that in each one of these reading ones, the high end, you can go like, oh, I can visualize that person. Like, are they talking about an Einstein where they're so knowledgeable yet so articulate that they can uh, competently explain a very complex thing to you and you can understand it? Like, oh, yeah, that's a (laughs) ten. You know, that's a ten. You know, you're at a five. You yeah, know, you're at a six and that's okay yeah. That's where, yeah. yeah
1: speaking so, okay so, so this is a perfect transition speaking of speaking of setting standards right there's also setting fees and I wanted to bring this up today because cool. this was a lesson I had to learn this week it took 10 years for it took 10 years for this lesson to be real and and I remember hearing this from the firm they're defunct now so I can just say it. Studio HD the first firm that I worked for here in in Boulder County or in in yeah Boulder County and then worked for them on Boulder in Pearl Street yep did great work oh, amazing work. yeah seriously like uh really really good work um it's too bad anyway one of the things they told me when uh when i got laid off and then we started kind of doing some freelance stuff with them and alex and i were just starting out was it's hard to raise fees and i thought no it's not and really it's not in certain contexts right and I didn't understand the context of what they mean, what they meant. And I'm not even sure they understood it themselves because they hadn't stepped out of their context or their shell, right? And that was, there's there's two ways to get work. There are, you just put yourself out there, you put an ad out in all kinds of different ways. Paper, online, doesn't matter, right? And you are interacting in a cold way with, uh, with for the first time with people, right? It's like a true sales meeting, you know, literally I've never met this person. You got to woo the crap out of them with everything. Yeah. And then there's also referrals, right? And so if you do it, let's say, and the example I'll give you is we did a recent custom house for a client we were a little we were a little hungry um, when when I signed this contract at the end of the year and we were trying to meet certain revenue goals and stuff like that. Um, we'd spent a ton of money on the development, and we had, we're finally now out of, <laughs> yeah. we're finally now out of the out of the red, by the way, and the black. Truly, as a firm, because that's how long it that's how much money it takes in investment to just make sure everything's okay. Anyway, we did this. I so I signed that that project. Literally, you know, on a percentage basis, probably like 30, 40 percent less than typical fees right now of what we'll charge for a custom house. We did a great job, and then his brother bought a piece of land right across the way, and what I tried to mm-hmm. do was I tried to we raise ch- charge try, try to raise our fees, and I tried to charge what we typically charge people now, and they go, "Well, my brother said," and yeah. then it finally hit me, and I go, "Hmm, it is hard to raise fees." Is for repeat clients, for referral clients, right? Yes. So that that's pretty critical. Um, you know, like when you go after new clients, you can just do it all day long. That other new client doesn't know the other client. There was no referral. It just yeah. happens, right? So what ended up happening was we met in the middle, and it's still a very good fee. We will make profit. Um, not not as much profit as we could have, obviously. Yeah. But that's that's so. I just want to share that little story with everybody in in that. There is some truth to that, right? So, when out of the gates, if if your first project, if you decide to finally make that leap and you mm. jump out of the your current firm and into your own, and let's say you you get a it's a referral, it's a big referral from your aunt and she referred you to this to this person and you're gonna do their house. Know the risk you could you could charge you could charge you could give them a deal or you could charge what you're really worth plus the liability and all the other good stuff and how it works and and have enough meat on the bone at the end of the day to then go after that other client um know the risk, right? So if you did if you did the deal first, ooh, if you do a really good job in their house and they refer you to somebody else, they're going to tell them how much you charged
0: and then you're kind of stuck in a framework with a ceiling. Yep. And and recognize and know the reality. And I'm going to break the reality into three broad categories that are oversimplified, but I hope hope it helps add some clarity. So if you charge at the high end of the fee, right? Think about a Venn diagram. Uh, You know, like a, is that where the circles cross? Yes. Yep. So it's a very high fee. And this is what a lot of business advice is. Charge a high fee and then you'll get the clients that, that you want and they'll value you. There are those people. And I do agree that that is a great business strategy. But one of the risks that you're taking if we're talking about reality is that you need that Venn diagram to cross. So you need to know a group of people that have enough money that val- and that you can convince them that you're bringing enough value, right? So the risk is those might be a smaller group, which might mean it's very far in between. So you might have times where you're not actually getting projects, right? Then <clears throat> there's the painter and our fire sprinkler people, the ones out of I think they say Longmont, but they're really based in Firestone. They always do a consistent low price. And I don't even, it's not bottom of the barrel, it's like middle, right? And they always get jobs. Because we, I was just talking to the other developers. Oh, yeah, we just call them because they know that they're just lean. It's just, it's what it takes to get it done and no more and no less. And I think that's kind of where, that we is where at. we're at. Right? So you're not going to get a huge payday. But you're not gonna have times where you don't have an enough either. You know, you're gonna have a good clientele. And then there's that's category that's two, two. Bottom of the barrel. You'll probably get hired. And you'll probably get hired maybe more than you have the capacity to do. But you're gonna be so stressed. I think you're gonna be almost forced by physical natural laws of trying to feed yourself, of giving sub quality projects. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, okay, fine. It didn't work out with them, but someone else is going to take me because I have the low fee. Oh, it didn't work out with them. So someone else, and you're going to, the stress of that situation, I think is going to eat kind of your like, soul.
1: An, you, what you just described in a weird way was like, kind of like an addict. You know, you kind of described like an addict, like they can't, they can't ever break out of that cycle, man. That's yep. a bad one to be in. You don't want to be in that.
0: Yeah. 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 I would say being the higher two, but know the risk of the high one too. No it risk But know the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can
1: sit in the middle, I'm telling you that's the place to be. It is the place to be because right now like first of all, we have a phenomenal staff, you know. And that that's all on that's all on Alex and I and and, and you if you if you're a business owner to to hire really vet people and hire people that you can replace that you, that replace you and, and and the tasks that you do. But I I just am so confident right now and feeling so comfortable with the workload that we have. It's not too much. It's not too little. It, it is a little bit. Um, sometimes we have we have bitten off a little bit more than we can chew. Our heavy sales season, I, I really feel like, is from we, in Colorado is from uh, December to about March April. And then all of a sudden, everything everybody's in the mountains in the summer. And they don't, They're not doing stuff. They're they're enjoying. The, they're enjoying why they moved here, right? Or, yeah. or traveling elsewhere with their with their kids on summer vacation. But uh, what you can, if you are in the middle then it's on you to lay those, lay those principles and foundations and, and have the mechanics behind you to where you can, you can maintain healthy profits. Yeah. And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Because you, you can reach up and reach down at some points at that point. I think you're more powerful in the middle.
0: Yeah. You can go or over. at least that's what we'll tell ourselves. That's even what, and I that's what we'll you. tell all of you. Yeah. <laughs> so I got one more category for you. Are you all ready? Right. So it's uh, intellect and wisdom category, mm. right? And it's personal... Military education, so personal education, it should apply to personal education in any profession that you're having, okay? So, um, military, is personal education outlooks extend beyond your MOS, which is your job in the Army, Uh, their required education, develops and follows a comprehensive personal program, which includes broadening professional reading and or academic coursework. advances new concepts and ideas. C. <laughs> That's uh, I was going to guess B. I was just kind of like, what? Nope. Nope. Uh, the the bottom of the barrel. Just This is what you have to do to be a Marine or, or what you should be doing in your profession. Jeez. Maintains currency and required military skill and related developments. Has uh, completed or is enrolled in the appropriate level of PME for grade. So, uh, appropriate... Uh, professional education for grade and level of experience recognizes and understands new and creative approaches to service issues, maintains abreast of contemporary concepts and issues. Bottom of the barrel. Like
1: I I was going to, yeah, I was going to, yeah,
0: D. Yeah. But, but isn't this crazy? I think some people would say like, Oh, I'm getting an eight out of 10. If I maintain uh, my military skills or regular skills in the department has completed or enrolled in the appropriate level of education. I would be using experience. words
1: like influences a lasting
0: legacy for the unforeseen
1: well, future stuff.
0: No, no. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so that's like your bottom of the barrel. Now let's go to, if you want to nay this is what you have to do. You have to be dedicated to lifelong learning as a result of active and continuously efforts widely recognized as an intellectual leader in a profession in professionally related topics, makes time for study and takes advantage of all resources and programs introduces new and creative approaches to service issues, engages in a a broad spectrum of forums and dialogues. So that's... There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Raise your ceiling, people. I got to eat the mic. Uh, Last thing here
1: before we head into some self-promotion is I just just had an email come across, and this is amazing. And I got to stress this. Like, I know we complain about dealing with planning departments, but... If you do a great job with them and I think are just you just bite your tongue and are really are polite and stuff, you'll get emails like this. This is pretty cool. Hi Lance, I'm with a nonprofit organization. I won't name who it is. We are planning to purchase a property in Longmont for our offices. Because of the zoning, we will require a conditional use review and approval by the city. The planner I'm working with suggested using an architect familiar with the city requirements and processes. I don't know if you do this kind of work, but your name came up when I asked around for suggestions. Ba-dum-bum-bum. Ba-dum-bum-bum.
0: So, if you want to increase your uh intellect and proficiency and knowledge in architecture, there's a couple ways that you can do it. How can you do it out? First, you can look at a course from some people that have really invested time and effort into making a course and clearly articulating uh how to make a profit and how to run a firm. So there's two of them. Check out both of them. Enix Sears at architectresources.org, dot com. Forward slash profit dash levers. And Mark LePage, check out this one too. Separate one. I recommend just doing them both. Do, you know, um, if you want to be at the top, you gotta you gotta you gotta learn. Um entrearchitect.com forward slash profit course. There's another one. And the third one is our own Revit course. Um, it, it, if you are transitioning into Revit, this is a no-brainer. It will increase your, uh, your proficiency. You'll get faster at it. We do it in, in a unique way that helps you understand how construction works. Um, it's a very honest, simple approach that is very powerful. Go to RevitRocketship.com and check that out. RevitRocketship.com.
1: Heck yeah, and I would like to extend a special invitation for anybody who is attending the AIA conference here in Las Vegas starting on June 6th. I will be conducting 15-minute interviews uh, starting on June 6th, going into Saturday at 5 p.m., and I will be posted up with Mark LePage and Evan Troxell of uh, the Entre Architect uh, podcast and Speak. And from 12 to 3 on Friday at 6... at Friday between um, 12 to 3 p.m. We'll be hosting a special little event. It's going to call, be called the Cast event. So if you are interested in coming and chatting with us, you can stop by the Cat booth. You can also email me at lmc at f9productions.com and I'd be happy to talk about... I'd be happy to see if you're a good candidate to be on the podcast. I think you would be. Um, there's going to be some b- basic questions that i'm going to ask everybody you know one of them is going to be like what do you think the future is for architecture stuff like that so don't be afraid to come and talk um it'll be fun somebody who's not afraid to come and talk who's going to be who i'm really excited to interview with is earl parsons he's going to be there we've already scheduled that we're going to have beers afterwards it's going to be great so check us out thanks for listening we will talk to you next week